ladies and gentlemen, those of us that are about to join us and those that will be joining us in the future, welcome to a conversation with Floyd Marshall Jr. And I am your humble host. And today I am joined by a very, very, very special guest, Squeaky Moore. She is the pitch guru for independent filmmakers. She is an, a mom. She is an author. And she has this phenomenal book out. Let me turn around because this is in my wall of fact. There, there are only certain books that make this book show. So let me let me let me let me pull this out because oh, see I didn't I didn't mess my bookshelf up. But see, this is her book, 100 Pitches, Mistakes I've Made, so you don't have to. See now I want y'all to notice how toe up this is. That's the Bible right there, baby. That's the Bible. So what that tells you is I didn't just buy this book because she was coming on my show. I have read this book four times. Wow. Because you should always read it the first time to kind of see what you're reading and then keep reading it again and again to get a real clear understanding of what you read. Oh, see, I, I, I told the book show. That's okay. I'm going my wife's picture up. This is live. But um, you should always read something a, a few times to get a clear understanding. And that is an absolutely amazing book. If you are anywhere in the content creation space, that is a book that you should have. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Miss Squeaky Moore, pitch guru, to a conversation with Squeaky, welcome hey, to a conversation hey, with. How are you? I am, I'm doing great. I really am. I can't complain about anything. I know I'm blessed, you know, and that's it. Trying to stay creative. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media, and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business, but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. So, you know, what? I, I was, I was trying to remember exactly where it was that we first came into contact with each other. I don't, I, I know it was online, but I can't remember if it was through Emmalyn Stewart. I think it, I was going to say maybe Emmalyn, maybe October Film Festival of some sort or the Hip Hop Film Festival, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But I, I'm so glad that we did mm -hmm. because I've learned quite, quite a bit from you. And, you know, as I said, in your introduction, you're the pitch guru for independent films. But you know what? I'd like for you to tell everyone how you became the pitch guru for independent filmmakers. So where, where did it all start? So I started, you know, writing. We did a, I did a film. I produced a film with a uh, co-producer, a writer, a while back and then we started working on a tv show and at the time i was at viacom and i decided to use that as a resource to pitch and um it's a funny story so i used it as a pitch i talked my way into this pitch i reached out to the president at the time of bet 
because I had access, you know, and I gave her my pitch email and she hit me right back up like, oh, you should go ahead on and pitch, you know, Austin or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, she responded. And so we set up a meeting to go out to LA to, uh, to pitch and we went through the pitch. The pitch was great. They liked it. He, he wanted to, you know, send us up and pitch. Then I guess the rest of the group, the next was the next level of pitching. And, but in, in, at the end of the day, they ended up passing on the idea. And that like to took me out because in my mind, I was moving to Hollywood. I had the big gates. I mean, like I was there with it in my mind. Mm -hmm. which was a good you, was, you were spending the money. I had it. I mean, I was at the expectation part. I, I had expected it. I had received it in my mind. So I was, I was <laughs> spending the money. And so it was part of that letdown that made me feel rejected, made me have to check into, you know, what did I do wrong? Is something wrong with what I've created and so on and so forth. And it was the rejection part that led me to, I didn't want to be defeated by the feelings of rejection I was feeling. And it led me to, you know, say, well, what did I do wrong? You know, why are we not getting, why am I not getting through this door? And, or, you know, be, being successful at getting behind the door. And I went on this journey to, to rise above rejection. That's what it originally started um, out to be, where I was going to try to pitch 100 times. And, and I was going to write this journal. That's what it started out. I'm going to try to pitch 100 times and I'm going to write this journal so that I could help people like me, women of color, people of color, you know, so that we can get behind the door. And on that journey is where I realized the, that I was learning a lot about the pitch process, you know, the, about being told no, about you know, what's really behind the yes or what's really behind the no. And so I kind of just sort of, you know, allowed that journey to take process. And then I wanted to really understand, not just from my perspective as the, the content creator looking to pitch, but then I decided, well, let me do some interviews with people in development to see what we're doing wrong as a people, as a as a community, what am I doing wrong? What are content, independent content creators as a whole, what are we doing wrong? And, you know, how can we better pitch? How can we better tell our stories? And it was through that journey, you know, that, I mean, I ended up, we, I ended up pitching Robert Townsend. I mean, and I, I was just really, I, you know, I've been blessed to get through some of the doors that I have gotten through really just through this journey of a hundred pitches. And then the boldness of just learning to ask. Most people don't say, many people don't say no. Honestly, even in development, they do, they're supposed to, you know, there are gatekeepers, but, you know, you, you get less no's than you do yeses to at least pitch from mm -hmm. my from my perspective. And, you know, it's a world of six degrees of, of separation. So halfway, well, not even halfway through that journey, I was just like, wait a minute, how am I going to do a hundred pitches? That's a lot of pitches. I'm only on five. And I'm like about to, you know, what am I going to do? And then as I started to journal and take notes of what I was learning, I decided, wait a minute, it is kind of smart to start interviewing all of these development execs because, mm -hmm. you know, people want to be 
important or they want to help. Right. And so through that, I started developing relationships and and I'm still learning and growing about the process, uh, the entire process of the pitch. You know, as I'm on the development side now, as I'm in development, you know, it's it's more to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, oh, let me now I'm journaling. And I'm like, I need an abridged. I need another version of this because I'm mm-hmm. learning so much more. Um, but that's my story. Yeah. That's how that's so, so so why? Why just 100? What was it about? Was that because that was just a, a, a nice round number? Or was no, that, was did that number just come to you or? It didn't just come to me. So I used to listen to a podcast, uh, the smart, I'm dropping the name of the podcast. Anyway, I was listening to a guy, this Asian guy, I can't remember his name now because I'm on the spot. And he was talking about rejection. I happened to be going through rejection and I, I tuned into this podcast because it was talking about rejection. And he had talked about going on this journey to pitch 100 times. His pitches were just foolish. He just, it could be asking. It wasn't to pitch. It was to ask okay. 100 things so he can get over being rejected if people tell him no. And so I was like, I should do this, but I should do it for pitching. And because his number was 100, I thought, oh, that sounded like a great number. I didn't realize 100 was going to be a lot. You know what I'm saying? And just how big 100 is, that's a daunting number when I think about it in terms of pitching. But that's really kind of where the 100 came from. I just used it for me and used it to grow and understand pitching, you know, get those hundred hours in, (laughs) you become a master at something. And that's really what it was about. Made sense to me. And interestingly enough, it's so funny. The, 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 the old question, would you do it if you'd had, if you had known and oftentimes people like, Oh, hell no. If I had known, no, because a 100 pitches, you're, you're just saying, okay, a hundred pitches. But now that you know what you know and understanding that I'm getting 100 pitches, but I have to prepare for each and every pitch and, you know, reading up on you and, and doing some research, a little stalkering there, stalking, as you like to call it, <laughs> you really had to do your homework and your due diligence so now if you magnify that by 100, 100. now you're saying, okay, maybe I bit off more than I can chew. So now when you're in the, the middle of this and you're finally figuring out how much of a task this is actually going to be, did you ever say to yourself, you know what, maybe I bit off a little bit more than I can chew and I need to stop? Yes, at five. I'm, I was serious when I said I got to into about four or five pitches. And I'm like, how the hell am I going to ever get to 100? Oh, this was stupid. This was a dumb idea. I, I give it up, right? But what kept me going is that I still needed answers for myself. Not the community at large that I was so-called writing for, trying to help. And initially, this was just going to be like some 10-page journal, some 10-page ebook. Like It was like, I'm going to help people because, okay, so what had happened was because there were so many unanswered questions, I started reaching out to the people who I thought had answers. 
And so I, I go to these people and I'm like, so what is this about? What is this, this pitch Bible? What is this, this or that, you know, can you give me a little bit more? Can you help me in this area? And what I realized is that everybody was really just did. I mean, no one really knew people Mm. who I thought were that should know, didn't know. And in fact, even when you got into a development, when you're talking to people who are the suits, they really know about who they work for, for the most part. They can't really tell you, you know, I mean, that's pitching and to whom you're pitching is a really broad, if you're pitching a production company, that's a different pitch from a network. Uh, what's it's a different pitch from a producer is a different pitch from the you know if you're pitching talent it's a you know like every pitch is kind of different so people can give you their information from their experiences and then you got the buyer and you got a seller like you know like you, you know you got those two those are different pitches like and so you know it was little tidbits here and there but really I realized that it was it was such a broad and big thing that there was no, I still just needed answers. And, and, and every, every answer beget another question, mm-hmm. right? Like now I need more answers. And it did, it kept me, that's the thing that kept me going because I still needed answers. I still had to produce uh pitch decks. I still had to, I had to produce, I had to pitch. I had to know, you know, what was winning for people at the end of the day. And then just how to thoroughly do it. And so I just kept going. And um, before you know it, I I did. I made that number. But guess what? What I realized in the process is that you're always pitching. Everything is a pitch. It's not about being a content creator. You know, believe it or not, I have a lot of clients that are product, that, that have product, right? Like some of my clients, like I just worked with a lady that was pitching Sally Beauty. I worked with people that pitch all of the QR, QVCs and the, all of those shark tanks and things like that. I, I work a lot with those type of people. I'm trying to get into Walmart. I'm trying to get into Nordstrom. So, you know, outside of needing to research, oh, I, they need to talk finances. They need to talk, you know, marketing. They need to talk all of these other different things. A pitch, they're still, they still have to sell the product and tell a story about it. You know what I'm saying? What what started them? What was the thing that drove them to do this? That's that's how that's how you're getting the buy-in, right? And so I just learned that everything's a pitch. This applies, uh, Floyd, to cor- people in corporations. If if you're an associate director and you're trying to, you know, go up the scale, how do you how do you come to your 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 manager? What's the best way? It's easy to say, yeah. I want, I, so I was thinking I wanted to you know to do it you know to get the job, but everybody's thinking that. So how mm-hmm. do you set yourself up differently? And it's through storytelling. It's through the preparation and preparing yourself to be different from everyone else who's trying to get it, right? So you're always pitching. You're always pitching. Even if you don't think you're pitching, you are pitching. You are selling yourself. You are selling what you're about, who you're about, what you're doing. You're always pitching. And I thought, this is a skill that everyone needs, no matter what they're into, no matter if they're content creators or not. And what's interesting 
I was driving home today and what you just said, I, I was thinking about that. And I just thought back throughout everything that I've done up to this point. And then I went outside of the business and thought about everything that I've done. When I met my wife 41 years ago, I was pitching because she was cute and I, I wanted to be her boyfriend. So right, right. I had to present myself in such a way where she's going to be like, okay, I'm going to deal with him. Or when you're looking to be a part of that, that group, or you're looking for a new friend or a new partner, anything and everything, you're always pitching yourself. So you, you just explained some things that I actually was, was going to ask you. So I'm so glad you did that. So people that are not pitching a film mm -hmm. should they buy your book now i know the answer to this but I, I want you to tell them why they actually should buy your book right if they're in any industry yeah i think it's because you know one i give a lot of anecdotes that i experienced in the book right and again just because we're always pitching there's a there's almost everything in there outside of what a studio will require you to come in with. And even, even most of that is still applicable to no matter what industry you're in, the research that you got to do to differentiate it from the other people that you pitched, how to go about um, aligning your project or yourself or what you want to do with the, the higher mission, right? Of the company or the corporation or, you know, whoever you're pitching, like, you know, how do you take your product and align it with Nordstrom's or, you know, I'm just trying to throw out some different industries potentially and, um, or your product and align it with Nordstrom's or whomever, how do you, so I think no matter what the, the principles apply, how you sell yourself, how you research, all of those things apply to no matter what the industry is. And that's, I mean, pretty much, I mean, other people have bought this book that are not in the industry and they say, oh my God, this is just standard information that you need to know. And I think just on a very high level, you know, reading the book will allow you to set yourself apart from other people just by way of writing an email. I talk about how to write emails and how to grab the attention just by the subject heading. You think, why does that have to do with pitching? But how are you getting through doors? If you, How are you hooking people? How are you getting them to say, hmm, when you're thinking about seven words, right, that needs to go into that subject heading, which is something that I randomly learned from, believe it or not, Dr. Boyce Watkins. Mm. <laughs> he, he has a, a knack with getting people to, getting me to click. And I'm like, why does he put this stuff in here? And then I click and I'm like, you know, um, boys, what are you doing? You know, like, so, and I always thought, and I even told him this, I said, you know, boys, it's something about your subject headings that always make me click. And I said, well, how can that, how can we use that as content creators? You know, like, and, you know, how can other people use that in other industries when they're selling this? So, so no matter what email that I'm sending, if I, you know, I'm always thinking about how to approach that subject heading and how to make that email short and, and concise enough with the right stuff in there so that they can say and only ask it. You know, I always talk about what the amount of time to ask for. 
in that that introductory email like quickly get it in and make sure you put this in there i actually learned that from a friend of mine you know she would tell me wait but you didn't you didn't put when you want to talk to them and i was like so it's just all of these things that i've learned over the course of you know pitching myself and being on this journey that i'm like oh that's smart yeah let me force them into answering me to giving me a time from that that first email. So it's so many different principles, so many different things that you can learn from the book, whether you're a content creator or not. But you know what? Now we we gotta take we gotta take a sidebar because you you don't take you've taken me on an, an entirely other tangent with the email thing. I get because I have a film festival, so I get so many emails with people asking me can I please put their film in my festival? I don't have any money right now, but it's all in the way you write. They want to, it's basically called a fee waiver mm -hmm. is what they want. Mm -hmm. And I rarely give those. I mean, it is clearly, you know, stated mm -hmm. on the website, but a few times, even though that is our policy, there have been a couple of emails that grabbed me and this one young lady did it so phenomenally well she introduced herself she didn't make any excuses and she just basically laid out why she thought her film would be a, a phenomenal fit for our festival i could tell she had as you said she had done her research and initially i didn't respond mm -hmm. she followed up Mm -hmm. And the second email was better than the first one. Wow. And I said, you know what? There is absolutely no way that I cannot put this because you could tell that she had really done the work. So I, I, I say that to say when people are going into these pitch sessions, first of all, and, and, then, and please explain how you even get into the room. But when you get that invite, can you talk about the work that needs to go in actually preparing yourself for when you actually get into that room? But first, how do you get in the room? And then what do you need to do once you get there? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously there's many ways to get in the room. Sometimes you just gotta be a risk taker. You know, I do believe we're all three degrees of separation from where we need to be. And sometimes it's a big ask. You're a big ask away into the room. <laughs> sometimes like for me, when I first started, I took the risks that I needed to take. Even though I felt like I was threatening my job, I was willing to take that risk. Other times getting in the room might mean coming to your film festival, going to film festivals to meet people going to the right film festivals as well. Network may take a lot of networking, getting to know people and getting to know producers or whomever that's going to get you to that next step. So it's all of those different things. Aside from that, when I'm doing like a cold pitch, I believe Robert Townsend was a cold, a cold pitch for me. Somehow I learned, we did a lot of cold pitches and got a lot of, we got a, into a lot of rooms just based on searching up the information on IMDb, 
looking for the production companies and grabbing their email and then, of course, going through that subject heading and writing that email out. But again, you know, having pertinent, you know, thinking through what is this about that's going to grab them if you have a, a talent locked in, a very special talent, if you then, of course, that you might want to lead with that. A reality show with Kevin Hart. <laughs> Looking for, I don't know, I'm making up stuff on the spot. But, mm -hmm. you know, a film with Kevin Hart, of course, you're going to put that in the subject heading if you got that person. But you may have something that you may not have those type of people as an independent. So what is unique about your project? And then how does it align with whom you're pitching, right? So again, before I'm writing that email, I, I've done my research on a company. I've dug up, I stalk, I stalk people out. I stalk, I'm looking at the, who, who works in that company, who's in development. I am on LinkedIn. I am on IMDB getting names. I'm reaching out to lawyers um, because they represent people. I am reaching out marketing departments. I am just looking for that right person to reach out to. Sometimes I may reach out to two or three people within that company, but I'm also looking to see, you know, what the projects are, what, what seemingly is their mandate. I, of course, you can't just tell what they're looking for. I mean, you know, what type of projects that they're looking for this year, <laughs> this six months, because it could change for them. But you can, but you do have, you know, you can look at what they've been putting out, the projects that they've been producing and all of those different things to kind of get an idea. And then you use that to create that, that buzz subject that, you know, you know, a project that's perfect for you, drama project, perfect for you, rising star in it. I don't know. I'm just trying to come up with those subject headings, like off the top of my dome, really. But I really sit down and think about those seven words that I'm going to put in that subject heading or, you know, and I'm really thinking about, I know I got a paragraph, maybe two to get out what I need to do. And I'm cutting out words. Like, is this word important? Because I need them to know. And then I'm, I'm using things that align with their mission. I'm using things, you know, if I'm going to reach out to BET, I know the demographic because I've looked up that I've, I've, I've looked up their mission statement. I know, you know, if this, if this, if my project is specifically about women, I might be looking at BET Her. And mm -hmm. so I'm putting that little bit of information. I have this project. It's female led with um, a few rising stars that you may know. I would love to have five minutes of your time. Can we chat? Or, you know, and if so, what time next week are you available? Right? Like, Tuesday, does Tuesday work? Like, I'm just really getting down to like, well, no, Wednesday could be better for me. Mm -hmm. Thursday, I'm going to put you, I'll put you, I'll put you in touch with my, you know, assistant too. And it sometimes that that's worked a lot for me. So it's really just the research that's, that I do. I'm researching to see where my project aligns with the project of whom I'm pitching or with who I'm at pitching and the work that they do. And I'm using that, those exact things to create this email to see if I can potentially get into the room with, with, um, in a room or on a call.
because now, especially now, I was pitching on the phones way before, you know, because I was reaching out to people in LA or whatever. Right. And this is even post uh, Viacom when I wasn't working for Viacom anymore. I was still pitching on the phones, you know, like, so I didn't necessarily, I, I called the phone my room and that was pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. So now that COVID is, now everything can be, you, you're doing most of what you're going to do <laughs> right here on this Zoom mm-hmm. or on Google meet or something like that you know so it might be a little easier now yeah but you said something interesting getting into the room but actually pitching the correct people yeah because i've run into situations and i did this myself years ago when i was still making films i ended up submitting my film about a teen that was transitioning to a snowboarding film festival. What was that all about? But I was just throwing stuff up against the wall. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned people actually aligning what they're doing with the right networks. And have you ever run across anyone looking to pitch and they may have a a, a phenomenal project, but they're just all over the place. You know, I want to pitch, I want to pitch my, my female uh, driven dramedy to about four somethings to the CW. Me? (laughs) No, seriously. When I started pitching, you know, I only had one project at the time. So it was like, I didn't know I'm going in there making all types of errors. And then when I had about four or five projects, what I would do is if I knew I was going to meet with a production company and I'm still not quite clear fully on where that production company is going, is heading, what the mandate for the next year is, what I would do is I would practice, I would start with practicing the pitch that I thought was best for them Then I would practice the pitch that I was most passionate about or that I thought was my best project. Mm. And then I would just kind of, I would practice all of them. So I remember going into a production company and pitching. And so they said, well, okay, Squeaky, where do you want to start? And I'm like, okay, well, I have this project and I started, you know, pitching or whatever. You know, I, I always start with like the premise or my statement of purpose or whatever. And and he he said, okay, nope, next. What else you got? And I said, oh, okay. Well, I started with something else and he was like, nope. I didn't, I mean, I barely getting out a sentence. And I'm like, he's like, mm, no, nah. look at his, the partner that came. Nah. Mm. No, you got anything else? Mm. Okay. Now, I went through to my least, the the least, the one project that I didn't think that they would be interested in at mm-hmm. all. So that was the last one that I practiced and worked on. That was the last one that I really was like passionate about. And so I'm, I go to that one and I was like, well, let me run down the line for you guys. Cause at this point we're close. It's like, you know, all my nervousness is gone. And I'm like, well, I have this project about this, this project about this, that last one. Talk to us about that. Oh, I didn't, that's the last project, you know, like, and so I would just kind of go in there like that. 
eventually, you know, even now, like if I'm talking to some people that I do know, I'll start with, hey, can we have a conversation? I think I got some projects that are perfect for you, but I want to talk to you first to make sure that I'm not wasting your time. Do you mm. got five minutes to chat? Hmm. Like that. And then it's like, what are you looking for? Like, what's the what's the mandate? What what are you what are you all looking for in 2023? Right. And then they're like, oh, well, you know, we're kind of going in this direction. Okay, cool. I'm not gonna um, that's all I really wanted to know. I'm not gonna waste your time now, but I will be back because I do think I got this project. I just want to make sure it aligns with what we right. talked about today. And I'm thinking, I don't got not no damn project <laughs> for them. But I'm gonna come back with something because right. you know I just realized it was it while it's cool to create these passionate projects, it's even better to just be like, I already know what they want. Let me see if I can create something <laughs> that I know that they want. And so, or what do I have that if in development it could easily shift and you without losing the meat and potato project? Shifted and you know, I'm flexible, it could be shifted. What do I have that I can kind of change and, and base it on based on what they um you know what what they're looking for and then i write that email and say hey i do have something like can i when can we chat and i get a is it possible to you know talk to your your assistant so that i can get 10 15 minutes on your 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 um calendar because i would love to share this project with you that i think is perfect all my projects are perfect for you <laughs> right <laughs> but you said something really interesting mm -hmm. you went through all the pitches and then the one that you thought that they wouldn't be interested in they were so my question right. to you is when someone is about to pitch they definitely should have a, a number of things in the bag mm -hmm. but from it that helps. experience yes so from mm -hmm. that experience would you say that or, or would, do you now teach your clients to never assume what the people don't want? Well, absolutely. I mean, if people got, you know, I'm not leading with that if I'm teaching them that. I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily what I, I don't lead with that in this context. I tell them a lot to assume a lot of different other things, like mm -hmm. because you sent over your project or whatever, you sent these documents over, don't assume that they've read them. Like okay. I would tell them that don't assume that because you're getting on this call, they're well aware of your project because you sent it over because they're busy. They ain't read your stuff. <laughs> so be prepared and to talk to them as if you just met them and they know nothing about it. Right. But, you know, I would tell anybody, you know, we're independent content creators. A lot of us are still working on our pet projects, the ones that you know, we're so near and dear to that some people may never want, you know what I'm saying? But that's just where our, we started and that those are our babies or whatever. And so I wouldn't say, you know, if I'm going to say this, like if you don't have five or four or three projects, you just got to start where you are mm -hmm. and you got to pitch that one. And then, you know, at some point you got to, you know, realize you should always be creating content, you know? And so and then when you get that second one, you know, you come on board. Sometimes, you know, you may have a great premise. You may have a great 
overview for what a great show would be. And that might be something to go into the room with, even if it's not fully fleshed out. You might have one project fully fleshed out and then you may have others that are like, what are some other premises, some other ideas, some overviews that I have? And, and if they are saying like, oh, what else? Well, I'm still in development, but I have a project called Sign Up, Sign Me Up. And it is about the blah, 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 blah. Hmm, tell me that one. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if I can recall, the one that they liked was one of those. Okay. <laughs> oh, crap. And as I, they asked me about it and I started lying, I started creating on the spot, like, you know, filling things in on the spot. Never lying, always creating. (laughs) I started acting as if this was all fleshed out. And what had happened was they were like, oh, that's good. What if, and they what if me, and they started creating on top of my creating, right? And I was like, "Mm, yeah, exactly. And so it was a yes and situation going. Mm-hmm. And they was like, well, I like that squeaky, you know, could you send us more, inf- you know, that project you want to send it to us? Cause I would love to kind of talk with the team about it, blah, blah, blah. Fine. Now I'm home and I am working on what they said, but it's easier because they've helped me kind of <laughs> narrow down some focuses right. on where this could lead <laughs> to, because now I want to give them what they want. But right. so Yes. You know, you never can assume you should always be ready. And if you got many multiple projects, I always just say pitch them beforehand. I mean, practice the pitch beforehand because you never know what they want and where it's going to lead. You know, so, you know, just be ready to speak on it all. Don't just practice the one thing that you think is right for them. The one pitch that you think is right for them without going over and at least knowing the premise, knowing the characters of all of those or the story arcs or whatever of all of the other projects that you you have. Okay, beautiful. Hey, everybody, it's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can just message me with a question or a comment, and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode to your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. So I, I want to talk briefly about nuance because again, doing research, you, you talked about a young lady that did a pitch and she mentioned one of the people who she was pitching to. They they both shared, she shared the same name with her daughter. So, but she did it in such a way where it wasn't like, bam, it's, it's in your face. It, it was it was more nuanced where she kind of just, you know, made it kind of flow into the conversation. So could you talk about if someone is in the room pitching one one of the best ways to basically find commonality or common ground or uh, I, I guess that's it common ground where the people that you're pitching are now inserting themselves into it i'll, I'll just say if, if you're pitching a household product and you 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 know that 
uh, the people that you're pitching, they sold knives for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And, and and you're talking to them about, you know, cutlery. So how how would you have someone go about finding that commonality in the both of them so that the person that they're pitching is more inclined to say, to give them a yes? I mean, that's a great question. A lot of the commonality or the way I'm aligning is really during the research of what the mission is and what they're looking for. So Hmm. that's where I'm finding a lot of commonality. Otherwise, you know, sometimes in my research and in my stalking, I'm looking, you know, I, when I'm stalking, it's not just research about the company, it's about the person. I'm looking at maybe interviews or panels that they have done and they've set on, and I'm learning more about the people that I'm dealing with, their personalities, their characteristics. So, you know, I'm always looking for a way to, if they're a pet lover and I, you know, or I'm always listening <laughs> to find my my shoe in. Because, you know, the thing about pitching is we're so caught up into what we are and our nerves. And, oh, my God, I got to sell this thing that we're rarely just listening and allowing it to come to come to us. Let the pitch come to us. Let you know. And so if you're listening, sometimes you find those common things. You know what I'm saying? You really just kind of got to listen. I don't know if I have an example of how to find those things that you have in common, unless you've had a conversation, a previous conversation, and you're like, ah, because, you know, the, the, the you know, I do believe that the, the key to networking is not getting something from someone, it's giving something to someone, right? And so using that example of the dog lover, if I know that they love dogs, but they're going out because I overheard them talking. They, they're loving dogs and they go out of town, but they're scared to leave the dog with someone. Then I'm going to come back with, oh, my God, I found this the perfect article about this dog place, this doggy daycare. And the reviews are awesome. I'm going to send that to you in the email because I thought that would be lovely. It's really just connecting with the person. I guess I'm answering your question. Otherwise... Yeah, you really kind of just have to be an amazing listener and figure out where that thing is that you do connect with, but it should still be organic and it should still be, you should still be authentic. Otherwise let the commonalities come from your research and what you've learned. You know, you might, you know, I'm going to, if I learn something in my research, then I may start with a story, a true authentic story that I have that may connect us in that way, but it has to be an organic flow and, you know, really a true, I'm not making something up. Right. I, am, I do lie. I talk about lying. I know in my book, but I you do just lie. embellish, you know, you improv because you are an actress, right. you know, I, I embellish, but not to the point that I'm just, I can't hold to well, let me think about that. You know, <laughs> um, you know, but I can't, I don't want to be inauthentic. You know what I'm saying? I want to be true to true to me. If I'm lying about something, it's like, you better come with it when it's time to come with it. Quickly. You better have this script when it's time to come with it. But, you know, for the most part, I, I hope to be authentic and, and I allow that conversation to come to me organically. You just well, got to find know- the common thread. Let's let's talk about that for a second because I really, if you know your stuff and you know you can deliver, is it is it really a lie? Because if they say something to you, 
and you say, oh, well, you know what? Well, yeah, A, B, and C, I can hook that up. But you know you're capable of doing that. Now, I may not have it because I've done it. I might not have it at the moment, but I can damn sure produce it. And I've listened to a lot of successful people mm-hmm. in this business and other walks of life. And to a person, they say they were presented opportunities. And a person would say to them, well, do you know how or can you? And they're like, oh, hell yeah, I could do that. Understanding that they absolutely had no idea mm-hmm. what the hell they were doing. But under no circumstances were they going to say no and miss that opportunity. So I, I guess what I'm saying is if you're presented with that opportunity, you better say yes. But then you better be able to back that shit up. You got to back it up. Listen, a lie is a lie is a lie at the end of the day. But, you know, again, fake it until you make it and you are trying mm-hmm. to make it. But you do want to back it up. You know, I have I have said, you know, oh, yeah, I got it. OK, I can do it. It was the pitch Bible. I did that. In fact, that was my story. I told, I think it was um, Tracy. It's Tracy's last name. She's going to slap me if she's, if she's a big listening. one. Tracy, Tracy Ellis Ross. No, 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 no. She's a producer. Um, the Bobby Brown story. I'm, I don't know why. Oh, I'm goodness gracious. I know who you're talking about. Name. Oops. I'm sorry, anyway, Tracy. I can't remember your last name. Either. I'm so sorry. Okay. <laughs> but it was her actually that I had uh, lied to. And she was like, do you have a Bible, uh, uh, the Bible for the, the project? And I was like, <laughs> I got two of them, girl. I got two of them. And then I started running to people like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She needs she, she asked for a Bible. What's that? Do you got it? And that's when I found out that people didn't know. They didn't have. They didn't know. They were just faking it until they made it. And what should have been a couple of days or two or three days for the turnaround I took me six weeks to pull together information on Bible. Six weeks. At that point, she's lost interest. She, I, you know, she was still at the production company that she was at, or whatever. But she just that interest was had waned. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, again, I'm listen. I am the stool pigeon. I am the one where you said, "Do you know of anybody?" Me. I have done all of these mistakes. That's why I'm like, do not, do not make the same mistakes that I've made. Like. You do want to be ready to produce. You do want to be as, as you know, you don't want to wait six weeks to give any mandates change all over the world. Mm-hmm. Somebody could die in the world. Somebody could, a movement can happen. All of a sudden it's the Me Too movement or the Black Lives Matter movement. Now all the content, every network is looking to change their content to female driven mm-hmm. or to this, you know what I'm saying? Because this is the sign of the times. So you really don't have that type of time to be like six weeks to be waiting. You don't want to do that. That's a little too long. But you but you do want to be pulling, you know, if you can pull some all-nighters. And, you know, I have a rough draft. I'm not quite there, but I will give you my, my first draft. You know, that's a lie. That's a white lie. I'm going to give you the first draft, even though this is like the 10th draft. You know, but you just in case they like, this sucks. When I told you it was the first draft, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like you, that type of lie, I think could keep you okay. Anything beyond that is like. Mm. But talk about that. Talk about that. The the mm-hmm. the pitch, the, the the Bible and the pitch deck, and the importance of of having that when you go into these rooms, and why 
because you've said an, a, a number of times that we are not prepared with this type of thing. So could you explain the importance of the, the, the pitch deck and the Bible? And, and if you have any insight as to why is it that content creators of color seem to not be prepared with this type of material when it's actually time to present it? You know, honestly, I think, you know, maybe we're not reading, you know, honestly, I don't know if, I think I looked for books for pitching. I don't think Mm -hmm. many were out there and, and, or they were, maybe we're not reading. I don't know. I don't think the information was, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of us in the rooms, first off. So who's passing down the information? Right. And if if the information is being passed down, it's being passed down to people that are like whoever is in the rooms. You see what I'm saying? Right. So there's not a lot of representation in the rooms. You know, honestly, Tracy Baker Simmons, that's who it is. Tracy was the first. I had to circle back. That's my story. I'm, I'm remembering it all now, 2013. I had to circle back to Tracy to say, I lied, Tracy. I don't have a pitch Bible. Do you have that? If I know I told you that I did, but I didn't. She was like, it's okay. And she helped me. She was like, now these are two different projects. I'm in, you know, unscripted, but these are some things that could help you to get me this information. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I had to, you know, tail up under my behind hit, hung low, had to reach back out to her six weeks later to tell her that I didn't have it. Don't, don't people. Don't make this mistake, right? Get the book. Just get the book because I I did the work to help you. But, you know, the information just wasn't as readily available. Without, we're talking 2013 and outside of BET and I was at Viacom, so it made it a little bit easier for me. But think about all of the people that are in Utah and Nebraska, but they're people of color and they need this type of information and, you know, they're low income. So they can't, you know, a lot of us is just like, I'm spending this money. I'm getting to New York. I'm getting here. But, you know, and it's it's even easier for us in, you know, towns or cities like New York or L.A. or in Atlanta or whatever. Chicago. It's easier for us to kind of reach out and get that information because of the cities we're in. But what about the Utahs and the Wyomings and who even lives those places anyway? Like, right. I'm joking. But my point is, is for, when you're when you're in like a place like a, a big city like New York, you're like, mm-hmm. what does Wyoming even look like? You know, right. like, do they have access? And a lot of people would say, well, we don't really have access outside of books. Right. Um, unless they're really doing the research to try to find a panel or something like that. And the thing is, we don't always know buzzwords. We don't always know names to find these paddle panels on. on. And, and now we are in the, an age of lives and stuff like that. So there's more, more out there today than was out there in 2013 or back in the day, right? So we do have more access now. But when I started, you know thinking of going pitching, there was not a lot. There wasn't nearly as much as out there today, including my book, but panels and, you know, things like that. So 
um, I, I think that's the issue. And if we don't have that representation in the room, how are they able to pass down that information like Tracy was able to do with me? You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, now we're seeing a slight switch as far as representation. We are mm -hmm. moving more towards having more pe of our uh, people of color in those rooms, but you know, that wasn't always the case. So we just didn't have the information. Hmm. So with that, you talked about uh, Wyoming, uh, Utah, um, a couple other places. Wyoming. Yeah, somebody's, and you know what? This will be the one time that someone from my own Wyoming listens to the podcast and will be like, really? So you, right, you went right. in on Wyoming like that, but look, Wyoming, if you're listening, we love you too. And make sure you pick up the book. So yes. because then you be see, here's the thing. It's interesting. I'm 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 doing this time to challenge with uh Tony Robbins and and Dean um Grazio. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And mm -hmm. Dean was talking about before Tony Robbins developed his own system of information he shared and brokered other people's information. So one of his biggest mentors was Jim Rohn. And I'm talking about people that are in the personal development space. And if you're in the content creation space, you should definitely be doing personal development. Yes. But Jim Rohn was one of uh, Tony Robbins' Robbins mentors. Mm -hmm. And before Tony Robbins became Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins brokered and shared a lot of Jim Rohn's information. So Did I said it to say this. Huh? Worked, worked yes. Yes. And, yes. It, and it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say this, ladies and gentlemen, and then I'm going to get back to Sweden. If you are at the point where you don't have the information for information for yourself, you pick up this book, you pick up other books like this, you internalize the information and then you turn around and you share it. Yes. That's what you do. Mm hmm. That's how that works. So if you're in Wyoming or if you're in a smaller market and you're saying, well, we don't have this resource, you be the resource. Yeah. Then you be the resource. Mm -hmm. You know, you go online, order the book, books, you know, plural, and then you become the resource. So when people say, well, I can't find it. Well, hey, I know what's going on. And then you share it. And then that person in, in turn shares it. But, and, and, that leads me to where I'm going next. You do tours with your book. Yeah. So talk about that. Well, I did tours uh, pre-COVID. Yeah, pre so I really wanted to, when I started to tour, when I um, launched the book or whatever, and I, I started to tour, I wanted to kind of do the tour based on the book, which is half of the book is about my journey of pitching, right? The other half are the interviews where I talk to the executives or producers or, or whomever about uh, Tracy Baker Simmons, about the mistakes that we're making and, you know, how do we prepare and how do we really get through the doors and all of these different things so that we can better be better at better pitchers. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to base the tour on that. And so in the states that I was going to, I would you know, talk about my process and the things I learned and share what you, you know, what content creators need to have to be able to go into that room and how to do it and kind of, you know, what I've learned from my perspective and different steps that they could take 
and then just you know pretty much on a on a really high level what every pitch should have no matter what <clears throat> and then the other part was to invite a panel of executives or leaders in this industry and to kind of ask questions to them for an audience so that they could the audience could be able to hear what they had to say about those mistakes we're making and about the best way to approach them or about the best way to get into the room to them and what what makes a winning pick what are their mandates this way when the audience left they could say oh not only did is it it may be easier to get into these four rooms of these four panelists but i know them i have a name i know them i've made connections i've done the network i already know what they're looking for I know what their organization or their company or whatever is looking for. I know the mandates now. So I've taken the notes and now I can do the work around my project so that I could get into that door. I wanted that to happen. And, or for them to be able to walk out the door and say, okay, I got things. I know what to do now. You know what I'm saying? I wanted people to be in a better place to do it. And so that's kind of what I did. I, you know, I started with the largest uh, cities. Atlanta, Chicago, LA, and then I kind of moved down to this a few smaller cities, North Carolina. I think I went to I went to I don't know, it was too long ago. Too many things. But, you know, I went on these tours. And then I said, you know, I felt like that was taking a long time and I just felt like I could be more productive and, and help a lot more people by using social media or, you know, doing, you know, courses of my own. I did a lot of lives like you're doing right now with marketing people, because, you know, when we're trying to pitch, everyone has to buy in. The marketing team is just as important, you know, as the development team. Like you can, they can, development can bring this amazing project, but when they hit marketing, marketing is going to say, it's not going to fly because this is this, this, this. So everyone has to weigh in. So, you know, what can we learn from this marketing person that's at BET mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. So I started having those conversations on Facebook live with, you know, I think I've done some on LinkedIn or whatever with those um, executives, different executives or whatever. So that I did it. I think I did another one with Twinkie Bird you know, to talk about the casting process. And, you know, when we have these projects and we're trying to package them, Twinkie, how do we connect to a casting, your producer, your director, and your, your casting, what to do? What are we missing? What mistakes do you see? Even in that arena, you know, how can you help us? She was so good. She was so good. So I knew I could reach more people this way too. And so... I, I did that. So now do you plan on going back on or, you know, maybe not in yeah. the capacity that you did before, but have you ever considered going back out on tour in person? And I, I, I heard that in one of your interviews that you came to Philadelphia, but I'm just like, when did that happen? Because I didn't, I didn't, when did that happen? I do. I, I feel like I did. I think I did come to Philly. I came to Philly. I forget the, the tour places that I had, but I definitely went to most of the major. I did Newark. I did. I think I did Philly. 
I know I did North Carolina. I did uh, Chicago, Atlanta, LA. I feel like there's a couple of more that I'm not thinking of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did Texas. I did Houston and Dallas. So yeah, I'm forgetting a couple of. Well, that's okay because you know what? It, it's it's been a minute because everybody's kind of just really getting back to normal. And that was 2017 and oh, 18 wow. that I was touring too. Oh wow. Maybe even or maybe 2018 and 19 that I was touring. 20 stopped it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what it was. 18 yeah, 20, and 19. Yeah. 2020 yeah. stopped every damn thing. We took it out. And so I haven't really did it since then. But yeah. Yeah. 2020 was like all oh, y'all. So <laughs> it was, it was, it was uh so now there's a lot of tr trying to get back to the, not even the old, just the new normal, you yeah. know, it, it was definitely ex uh, just a horrific time in this country, but, and, and, for, and for some people, it was, it was a blessing, which was, I think that was me. Yeah. You know what? This is how I looked at COVID. And, and this is what I would say to content creators all the time. There are two ways you can approach this. And we're about to wrap this up, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. There are two ways you can approach this because the, the playing field has now been leveled mm -hmm. because everybody's sitting at home. Yeah. So now what do you want to do with this time? So you can either sit and say, we're going to wait until this is done, or you can create and move. And that actually the podcast came out of that because yeah. this was actually supposed to be in person, live panels. I had everything set up, I had the venue, I was selling tickets. And then they were like, well, that ain't happening. Change your plan. Mm -hmm. So it just changed everything. So how did you pivot? You know, pivoting, I have to be honest, the pivot for me was hard and it shouldn't have been in retrospect, I realized I could have kept doing what I was doing, which was mm -hmm. just doing it online. But the pivot for me, I I got busy creating and, and then I started doing film festivals. It was so easy, much easier to be, to be teaching or helping on festivals. By the way, I'll be at the October, I'm not October film festival, but hip hop film festival in August. So. You should do that. I think I'm going to be working with content creators. Shout out to the Hip Hop Film Festival and CR Capers. But I started doing film festivals where I was doing classes with different film festivals. And, and they were all online during COVID. So that was sort of a pivot for me. But I got to creating, which was a great, it was a great time. Everything slowed down and I could create. And I, I felt like part of me needed to be a practitioner. I needed to... <clears throat> be my own example and so i got to creating and i i i also went into development for project during COVID. so that was a a great shift for me i started working with a production company on one of my projects and so that's been great <laughs> and a long time coming but it's coming peripherally it's coming so that was the way i pivoted i and, you know, honestly, I just told God, I was like, God, this is a pivot. And it's a, for some reason I couldn't, you know, while I say COVID was great for me and it was in a lot of different ways mm -hmm. in the moment, I couldn't figure out what that pivot was. Right. I couldn't, I just couldn't 
do it. I was kind of stuck, you know, as well. But the quietness allowed me to be able to, again, create projects, <laughs> create, and then therefore, you know, pitch and get my, pro and, and develop relationships while I was on these different panels, these, these film festivals. And I was able to develop relationships because I'm right here with the big wigs, you know, the, the suits and, you know, I'm talking, I'm, yeah, let's get the information. We're all on emails together. So it's more development, uh, relationship building stuff. So it was great in that aspect. It was great that my project was picked up in a sense for mm -hmm. development. So those were my pivots. Right. But now it's like, and, and I asked God, that's what I was saying. I kind of asked God, I was like, God, I need these seeds to harvest while I'm at rest. I'm going to surrender my career and everything over to you. And I'm asking for all of the seeds that I planted. I want to live in harvest, even though I am really kind of still right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I had a good time. I really did. Like I, I, I was able to realize what I was doing as busy work versus the work that I should have been doing. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge awakening. Um, while I want to teach everyone in the world everything, I had lost the creative side of me in doing so, in touring every week and doing the work that it takes to tour and go to state, state, state. So my creative stuff and my own pitching had almost come to a halt because mm. I was giving so much. And I was like, wait, I lost sight of the, the big picture here. I'm a content creator and I, I need to be creating. And it was because of that, that, you know, projects were able to be seen. So that was a blessing. So now did what if then what come from that? Or was that before? No, that was during what if there was, no, the, it was 2019 that okay. I did what if then what. Um, a lot of other things came from what if then what during COVID, but even, even a lot of the stuff that came out of it, money-making things that came out of it, it was still one of the projects, one of the things that I felt where I was getting off course. You know, I love money. We all love money, but I don't know if it's all good money. If, if I'm out of passion, if I'm out of um, my purpose. And I felt like, some things where it was leading me to, which was great things, it was pulling me out of purpose. And so I do believe that there's a thing, uh, such a thing as like work and busy work. Yes. And I think that was a busy work. And I kept feeling, I felt like COVID had brought me back in purpose, back to creating, back to being a practitioner and all of those different things. It got me right on course. And then at the same time, this thing was pulling. So I had to make some decisions and and for me, you know, my passion is content creating. My passion is telling stories. And that's what I needed to do. My passion is teaching you how to pitch. And that's what I needed to do. So I had to say no to some things. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. So what's next? Like I said, I have a show that's in development. And we have been working long and hard on that. And it's it's a, like I said, I learned a lot and I need to probably do another version of this book because it's like, oh, you know, oh, the, you know, that process is, it's a lot of learning. Like one thing, and I just want to share this, like, I remember pitching the project and saying, oh, oh, okay. Oh, you're interested. Okay, cool. Going through 
I felt like a month of contracts. That's how mm-hmm. long it took for lawyers and all of this stuff, right? And then get on to the, that first development call, and I was still pitching. Mm. And I remember the moment when I was like, I got off the call and I was like, what are you doing? You don't, you're not pitching anymore. You don't have to mm-hmm. sell this anymore. You signed a con. Like now it's time to create. Now it's time to get right. into a different mindset. Like, so that was a huge, like, oh, it's a shift, you know? So that hopefully, you know, there's, there's good news with that sometime soon. You know, that's a whole other thing where you're like, it, you know, time time and patience and all of that. And I'm doing that. And I am creating. (laughs) I'm creating. And those are the two things that I'm doing. I'm showing up at festivals or whatever. But you did light a fire up under me. And I said, you know, I'm going to do a class. Yeah. Let me do a pitch workshop online what better else what, yeah what and you know let me know because i want to go look I'm, I'm always about learning yeah. whatever i can and to and to the uh second edition of 100 pitches i really think you should you should definitely come out with another one because uh there's this book that i read oh gosh what's his name the writer's journey mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he just came out with the uh well, a couple of years ago, but the, the 25th year edition. Hmm. So he's always, so I'm he's sure always, there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm sure there's so much more that you've learned that we could all benefit from. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we, 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 cause I need to put it, you know, and cause every, everybody don't make this thing, thing back here. Everybody, yeah. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta be on fire to be on, no. On this, on this right here, you know, I've everybody... definitely learned some things. I have learned some things about the process of creating that. If mm-hmm. even if I had known, like my my pitches would be different, um, mm-hmm. especially for unscripted. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, really learned a lot about like, oh, I'm coming with this next time. I'm coming mm-hmm. with this off the bite. I want the buy in the room, baby. Right. Like, you know, I want the you know what, we're going to buy two seasons in the room. I want that. But it's just having that knowledge now that I'm like, oh, people need to know this is how this works. So, yeah. And especially us. Yeah. Because we're talking about building our own tables. Yeah. This is definitely information that we need to have because that's how you, you, you can't build a three-legged table and expect it to be firm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so this is definitely, you know, because again, I, I've read your book four times and, and, and I'm going to probably read it again because I, I like to, you know, refresh and reinforce. And a lot of what what you taught in your book and, and other books that I've read back here and in my other library, I teach to filmmakers because my thing is, yes, it's a creative business, but at the end of the day, this is a business. And if you ain't doing no business, then you ain't doing no show. So we we definitely need volume two. So yeah. where can people find you? Squeakymore.com, Squeakymore anything. You know, honestly, if you want to reach out, Squeakymore at Gmail, Squeakymore.com. And my info, my information is there. I'm Squeakymore on all social media, I, Instagram. I'm more squeaky on Facebook. <laughs> 
only because my account was hacked and wow. and after that was hacked i don't even think i was on facebook for nine months wow. for a while after my account was hacked and it actually took me that was another thing that took me down during my during this whole transition and pivoting mm -hmm. i had to pivot because it's like you know you start a business on facebook no less and my pitching business was really on facebook i had private group you know all mm -hmm. of that stuff and um what do you do when your account is hacked and you don't know it's like so so that was a pivot for me too but um I guess I could, this is something that I needed. I needed to be quiet and figure some things out and create, I guess. So that's where you can find me, y'all. Squeaky Moore, S-Q-U-E-A-K-Y-M-O-O-R-E. At all of the major anythings and everything that's out there. So, Okay. Now, before I go, mm -hmm. before we go, first of all, thank you so much for being here. I just could not wait to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Floyd. Oh, absolutely. See, I'm going to put that up in the camera. 100 mm -hmm. pictures, mistakes I've made so you don't have to. And again, ladies and gentlemen, as you can see, this book is toe up because I read it. Good. I read it. And okay, I'm not going to preach because Twinkie said, don't preach. Get as much knowledge as you can. Do you know I still read my book? You do? Every time I'm about to pitch, I go to my book. I honestly do. Well, well, well why wouldn't you? I mean, in all honesty, why would you not? Because again, you know what you know, but it's always good to look at it again because you know what? You're looking at it with fresh eyes. Every new project, it's like, well, what does the Bible say? Let me go to this to see what I need to do. And let me just get it out there in this order and figure these things out. I honestly do read my, I pull it out every time. Every time I'm going to go pitch, every time I'm, I literally do my lessons in there. Like, oh, okay, let me do this. Let me put my camera up and let me practice this this way. I literally do. It just reminds me of what to do and how to get fresh and get over the nerves. And I'm still human. I'm still, you know, human. I still have to deal with all of those things that I said, I do rejection and all of those things in the book. So it's just a great refresher for me. I really, I'm, I'm being 100% honest when I say I always open the pages of the book. Well, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. So I'm glad I'm not the only one reading it and rereading it. But again, Squeaky, this was absolutely amazing. You are definitely going to have to come back because this was definitely not long enough because there are still some things that I wanted to talk to you about, like uh, climbing down the side of your house with a rope, um, <laughs> being a a, a, a faith a atheist of faith and all this other stuff. I'm like, what? So <laughs> I'm a believer, but I do. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we we it's, it's a lot of things we still have to unpack yeah. <laughs> because I was uh, I wasn't stalking, I was researching, and we got to talk about your 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 award winning film and all the other things you got going on. And hopefully we could talk a little bit more about the uh, project that you have in development. But again, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you follow Squeaky More on all social media platforms. And if you liked this podcast, please do me a favor, subscribe and share it. You know, I, I, li I like that. And I hope that you got something out of it. But more importantly, I hope that you got something from it that you can immediately incorporate into your business. Because as Squeaky said earlier, you are pitching everything 
all day long. So I'm going to let you close this out. Any closing words for the people that will be listening and watching in the future? I do. You know, beside knowing that you're always pitching, just understand that you're needed, you're wanted. The other side is they want you to have this great project. <laughs> They're not against you. They're, they want you to have something for them. And maybe just kind of changing your mentality, uh, switching it around, you know, the perspective around like, no, they need me. They need this project. Let me, they don't know what's out there. Let me get it to them, you know, and having that rather than fear driving you could be helpful. And um, you got to take risks. Yes, you do. Ladies and gentlemen, have a phenomenal week and go pick up <laughs> the book because go it's good. It go yeah. pick it up. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the conversation with. And as I always like to say, love this like a hobby, but treat it like a business. All right, everyone. Have an absolutely phenomenal night. Peace. Bye. Bye, everyone.